Year after year after year, I hear people tell me that they do not want to pay large subscription fees or for memberships to be able to get access to content related to safety. So me and my friends here at Safety FM have come up with an idea called Safety FM Plus. This is a video streaming service that allows you to have some downloadable document content available readily wherever you are. You can go to the website safetyfmplus.com or go to the Apple Store app and download it for your iPhone, iPad, or even Apple TV. It's also available on Android and Android TV, Roku, and Fire TV. We want to be wherever you are. So to get you started, you can come to the website or download the apps as we just discussed. The other great portion about this is that if you sign up right now at safetyfmplus.com, you will get a downloadable version of Simple Revolutionary Acts, the first book by Dr. Todd Conklin as part of your membership to get into this. So go right now to safetyfmplus.com to find out more information. That is safetyfmplus.com. This show is brought to you by Safety FM. The following program is rated MALSV. It contains strong language, sexual situations, and violence. It is intended only for mature audiences. Finally, show with the balls to call it like it is. Rated R Safety Show on Safety FM. Countdown to audio torture. The Rated R Safety Show starts in three, two, one. Ah, let the eardrum pain begin. Forget the corporate bullshit. This is the Rated R Safety Show with your host, Dr. Uh, it doesn't matter who the host is. Well, welcome to another glorious, glorious, glorious edition of the Rated R Safety Show. Today is Thursday, October the 15th of 2020, day 289 of the year, and only 77 days to go. Anyways, hopefully you are having a grandioso time today, with it being Thursday already. Anyways, we are coming to you live from the Safety FM studios in Orlando, Florida. And we are broadcasting live across the multiverse of Safety FM. That be it, safetyfm.com, Safety FM, the app, safety.fm, safetyfm.live. I mean, there's so many, I always tend to forget. So some cool stuff already happening today. Um, got to hang out this morning with Mr. Samuel Goodman, um, and he was doing a presentation about safety, and it was quite quite awesome. I got to to interact with some people there and got to hang out with James McPherson and some other lovely people that were there as well. Kind of some fun stuff going on with a little virtual event earlier in the day. Anyway, so if you're new to the show and not familiar with how it kind of goes, so let me kind of tell you how the the end and around and the abouts go about. What normally takes place is we start off with some, some hashtags, some trending stuff, that kind of thing. And then we move on to some serious broadcasting. And then we have some of the newscasters pop up, give us some information. And then I jump into my nonsense, which is, um, 
I will have to say, I guess, to an extent, news with a spin. Because it is my point of view, so it is a spin to some extent. So take it for what it's worth. Anyway, so if you have been hanging out online over the last few hours, you might have seen this actually as the main trend that's going on. A hiker in Utah survived a terrifying encounter with a cougar. After stumbling across a cougar's cub, the hiker was soon face-to-face with their protective mama. There's a video that's actually going on online, and I will tell you, this Kruger is going after this person, this hiker, for about six minutes in total as he's videoing it. I don't know why you would take the time to video it, because I am trying to run away as far as hell um, from regards of actually doing anything to that extent. But hey, that's my gig, not yours, and that's perfectly fine. But something to talk about just as we are mentioning it. Anyways, we're going to go down some different steps, some different talks, talking about some different things. And what we're going to get you started off with right now is some feature story news, because I think that's important. Then we'll get into my nonsense. Story News in London, I'm Ollie Barrett. Millions of people in London will be under the next level of coronavirus restrictions from Saturday. At midnight on Friday local time, the British capital will move into Tier 2 of the UK's three-tier system from medium risk to high. It means households will be banned from mixing indoors. Benji Hire reports from London. These new measures affect 9 million people in and around Greater London. Whilst hospitality venues like pubs and restaurants can remain open, there'll be no mixing of households inside and they must shut by 10pm. Also, no more than six can meet, even in private gardens. The city's mayor, Sadiq Khan, says the decision is based on expert advice and will save lives. Nobody wants to see more restrictions, but this is deemed to be necessary in order to protect Londoners by myself, London Council leaders and by ministers. Mr Khan told Londoners that it'll be a difficult winter ahead, but there's simply no other option. Hong Kong and Singapore have announced plans for quarantine-free travel between the two cities. A new curfew's been announced for a series of French cities, meanwhile, as European leaders struggle to contain spikes in coronavirus cases. EU leaders are taking stock of Brexit trade talks at a critical summit in Brussels. UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson has expressed his frustration at the slow progress of negotiations, as Lucy Hoff reports from Brussels. October the 15th was the date circled by Downing Street as the deadline to reach agreement on the future relationship. But as EU leaders meet in Brussels to take stock of the negotiations, it's clear there are a number of sticking points still to be ironed out. And Boris Johnson has said he's prepared to walk away unless there's agreement amongst the EU27 over the course of this two-day summit. Fishing rights remains the key stumbling block, with coastal nations like France and Ireland taking an increasing hardline position. The EU has said it wants a deal, but not at any price, and has indicated it would be prepared to continue talks into the middle of November. The President of Kyrgyzstan has announced his resignation. New presidential elections will take place in three months. It follows political unrest in the Central Asian country after disputed parliamentary elections. Galina Polonskaya has more from Moscow. Saran Bajenbekov says he took the decision to leave the post in order to prevent bloodshed. In a statement, he explained that the political situation in Kyrgyzstan was very tense and that he did not want to open fire on people. 
Just hours before this decision, Mr. Zhenbekov gave his approval to the Prime Minister Sadir Japarov after the parliament voted for him in for a second time. Former lawmaker Mr. Japarov was freed from prison last week by protesters after serving a sentence for hostage-taking. From bureaus worldwide, this is FSN. This show is almost as enjoyable as hearing the sound of the toilet flush. Rated R Safety Show on Safety FM. We at Safety FM are not responsible for what this idiot behind the microphone is saying. He is trying to be entertaining. Rated R Safety Show. Anyway, so what do you think? Always some lively news there by Feature Story News, letting us know exactly what's going on. So that's always kind of interesting as we do talk about it. Anyway, so what's going on in your neck of the woods? I always find that stuff kind of interesting on what you have going on and what you want to talk about and what things you would love to bring up. Because I always think that those are fun. Anyways, let's talk about what's going on inside of the shit list. So let's get that rolling and bowling as soon as possible here. A World War II bomber exploded underwater in Poland as Navy divers attempted to defuse it. We did talk about this briefly last week. A 5.4-ton Tallboy bomb was discovered last year during prep work as it deepened a waterway. Officials believe that it dropped back in April of 1945 as Britain's Royal Air Force during the attack of the Nazi Germany battleship. Demolition experts tried to neutralize it underwater, but it went off in the, pro- it went off in the process. No injuries were reported. So there you go. Some interesting stuff there, especially 1945. 1945. What a what a long time ago. Especially starting to talk about some of that stuff now. Anywho, anywho, anywho. A lot of weird stuff, you know, that we keep on seeing around and about, and all that kind of fun stuff. So as I sit here or stand here today is probably what I should say. Um, what are you looking at? What are you? What is kind of on the heartbeat of what's going on with the, the safety world? A lot of interesting things for sure. We are ha- are been having a lot of interesting conversations about safety people, people that are in safety, say people that are doing stuff within the safety organizations and all that kind of fun stuff. But what's affecting you day in and day out as you see this? And I know some people go, well, you do- isn't this show mostly sarcastic? Well, yeah, there is some sarcasm here, but we have to take some serious approaches sometimes. That's for sure. Can't just always be run and gun and, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. So what do you got going on? Anything exciting that you would care to share about? I mean, of course, if you're on the radio station, you can't text anything in because that's normally how that goes. So you would have to jump onto the onto the medium, and I don't know if you want to do that. Of course, you can always text us at 866-930-SFM1. That's 866-930-SFM1. If you're on the podcast, well, we might get it a little bit late, just depending on where you're hanging out there. Anyways, let me continue then and talk about some other things. Hot and dry conditions and intense winds threatened the already devastating wildfire season in California. Of course, this is not the news we really want to hear, but hey, this is the stuff that's going on. The National Weather Service has issued a red flag warning through Friday for Northern California due to dry and windy Weather conditions. More than 8,500 wildfires have burned over 6,406 acres. That's not true. Over 6,406 square miles. That's better in the state since the beginning of the year. But mostly since, eh, give or take, mid-August. That's kind of where the rough schedule is coming about. 31 people have died and 9,200 structures have been destroyed. 
And, you know, we talk about this and we go with a lot of the information about what's going on there. But when you look at it and you start thinking about, okay, one structure, two structures, now we're talking about 9,200 structures and 31 people. Because that's the thing. That's the the very interesting thing. It's almost like a small town. It's a small neighborhood. It's a very large. We deem it as small when we hear numbers, but when you start thinking about structures in total on how that actually works. Yo, bro. Reckon can you say something for my friend in a funny voice? Is that what you're looking for? Because I'm not sure. Is that, is that, was that it? Was that it? Um, but think about it for a moment. So 9,200 structures, 31 people. Think about the impact that that, the, the, think about the impact that that actually has when we talk about these things. Think about it. So think about the impact that one person passing away has. Think about now 31 and the people that they impact over impact over impact. So kind of a whole change of things there. Jamie, I'm not sure if that's what you're looking for. I don't need you to, I don't want you to beg in the box. If I'm not, if I'm not meeting what you need, let me know. I'll try to work with it. So there you go. So I don't know. I mean, think about it for a moment. 31 people, 9,200 structures. So there you go. A lot of craziness right there. For that. Anyways, a CDC report released last month shows that mask and face coverings are not effective in preventing the spread of COVID. The study conducted from July 1st to the 29th in the U.S. looked at 154 cases of case patients who tested positive with the virus. Over 70% of the patients who contracted the virus fell ill, reported always, but wore their mask at gatherings with less than or equal or greater than 10 people in their home, shopping, dining, and restaurants, going to office settings, saloons, gyms, bar, coffee shops, church, religious, and gatherings, or using public transportation. Over 14% felt, percent felt ill with the virus reported often wore the mask, and only 4% who reported never wearing their mask became sick from the virus. Worth noting, does wearing a mask have a false sense of security. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? Does it have a false sense of security? For sure. Oh, Jamie, you're stretching now, my friend. You're stretching. You're definitely stretching. Anyways, for a friend. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. But I mean, think about it. So this is a case study that's actually coming about here. And you see, this is a CDC report. So what do you think? Do you feel a false sense of security with those things? And believe me, I'm not going to sit here and go, don't wear them, do wear them. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to kind of go and move forward with it. So here's what you're thinking. What are you thinking when you hear this? Do you wear a mask consistently? Consistently, excuse me. That's something to think about. And if you do, when you hear stuff like this, does this make you want to change what you're doing? 
That's for sure. I mean, that's something you have to think about because, of course, the topic of conversation is definitely different depending on what st- side of the aisle you hang out in. So that's for sure. So something to talk about. So we got some stuff coming on in the box right away. The the neck gallery. What? The neck what? The neck gators maybe, but not other mask. And that's from our friend, the safety consultant. And then is the mask ineffective because other people are not wearing the mask? That's an excellent question, Lawrence. I think it's a great question. What do you have you seen this new trend that's going on? Um, where you see the people wearing the face mask and then they take it down and hang it out on their neck for a bit because they're doing some other things and they move it forward and put it back. Now, there are some reports that are circulating as well that are making reference that contamination could be in different parts of your body and that you could have some, you know, some spray on your neck and then you're moving it forward, which makes them invalid. So there's a couple different things to look at as we have these conversations. And believe me, I stay locked up quite a bit. I have very limited interaction in the real world (laughs) outside of virtual. Um, That's by choice. My commute is very small. It's home and studio, studio and home. However you want to look at that. So I don't know. What do you think about this whole thing? Do you see that there's a validity to wearing them? I mean, I think Martin brings up a, or Lawrence brings up a good question. I almost said Martin Lawrence. Look at that shit. So, but I think Lawrence brings up an excellent question. What causes them to be ineffective? Is it the mask itself? Because I think that depending on what mask you wear, it's going to vary. And one can argue about bandanas and one can argue about these little thin things that people slide up and slide down. And, you know, there are some, some people love the N95s and then talk about how you have to be fitted for them if you want to have them work properly. There's a lot of conversations of people not even wearing a mask properly. That's another conversation. Um, I know that the one that I use, I'm not going to sit here and say it's the best one, but it has filters in it. So I can legitimately change out the filters to the mask. And that's the choice that I've decided to make. And of course, we see people with all kinds of different things that they're using. So I don't know. Maybe that's a lot of the conversation that needs to be had when we're talking about these things, opposed to it just being a conversation of whatever it is, you know, because sometimes those things are pretty important. You are listening to something magical. <laughs> You're listening to the Rated R Safety Show. Okay, so going into some more stuff down the road here. So let's talk about it. IKEA launched a buyback initiative this week as part of the goal to become fully circular in climate positive business by 2030. Customers who want to sell back their IKEA furniture to the retailer will get a voucher to spend at the store. Customers with it with as new items with no scratches will get 50% of the original price. Very good items with minor scratches will get 40% of the original price. And well-used items, which have several scratches, will get 30% according to the statement. The catch is the furniture must be brought in fully assembled. Fully assembled. Anything that cannot be resold will be recycled or donated. Okay, hold on. You know, I love IKEA probably as much as the next person. But there's no way that you're going to have that shit fully assembled. Um, 
some of this stuff is monstrosities inside. So unless you're getting a moving truck to get your 50%, probably not going to work too well for you or your 40% or your 30%. Like I will tell you in my home, I have the floating cabinets and it took like six hours for the dudes to put them together and to get them mounted. Now, I did not go through Ikea to actually get them done, you know, not pro- not plugging Ikea here. But it was more expensive to get the stuff put onto the wall and mounted and put together than what the actual furniture cost. So I could imagine the small fortune that it would cost to, number one, get it taken down. Plus, they had to drill some holes in between the cabinets to get some of the wiring done, just to really give you some of the stuff that you really don't care about. Um, so I'd, I would love to get some more information on exactly how that would work because i think that that's going to be pretty important so do you have any ikea furniture that you would like to get rid of i mean i have tons of it and i don't know if i should be admitting to that the funny thing is that i have tons of it at home and i don't even think i have anything from ikea in this joint that's interesting that's pretty interesting i I would figure i would anyways let's continue 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 but let me hit you with the disclaimer Oops, what did he just say? We at Safety FM don't always agree with the viewpoints of our hosts and guests. Now back to real safety talk on Safety FM. Oh, I still can't believe they wanted me to read that out loud. Come on, come on. A driver in Florida is lucky to be alive after a hunk, hunk of metal crashed through his windshield. Eduardo Medina, 64, was driving near Delray Beach. When a piece of metal fell off a flatbed from a truck, Fire Chief Todd Lynch, who reported to the to the accident scene, said that Medina was lucky to be alive. As heavy as the piece that came through the windshield above the steering wheel, Medina only suffered minor injuries from the shattered glass. Yeah, I know we talk a lot about Florida all the time. Florida, Florida, Florida. But man. We talk about these things, and, you know, I don't know if this is work-related. I don't know if the guy was working, was driving for work or if he was just driving to drive. But, hey, it is his news story, so we have to talk about it. But how do you, you can't plan for a shitload of events. You can have these ideas of, hey, I would like to do X, Y, and Z. We talk about them all the time. But at the same time, too, as we talk about this, We have to realize that not everything can be planned for. And unless you're going to be driving around with some kind of crazy glass as your windshield, I don't know how you're going to be able to stop that. The other portion. I don't know how it works in other states, but in this state where this thing occurred, people tent the front windshield. It's not legal from what I understand to do. But people do it anyways. So pretty interesting. My, minor minor incident is what it's considered. But come on. If the incident occurred with you, would you deem it as a minor incident? Something to think about for sure as we do talk about it. I don't want it to come across as not important because it is important. But how does that work? A lot of strange things sometimes do come out on some of these incidents. An unidentified postal worker in Pennsylvania is on leave without pay after several bags of undelivered mail were found in a trash can outside their home. 
The investigation is underway by the U.S. Postal Service Officer Inspector General. A local news station reported, worth asking, can it be, uh, let's see, it's going to, of course, we have to tie it in. Automatically, the assumption, can it be worth asking, can it be assumed that undelivered mail contained ballots? Because, you know, there's always a conspiracy theory for everything. The following program is Oops. rated MALSV. It contains Duh. the yeah. following program. You know, when is I'm too tall M-A-L-S-V. to actually hit some of these buttons sometimes. But that's the that's the interesting part. You know, you hear about all the stuff going on with the mail lately. About undelivered mail, things that are supposedly appearing in waterways and all that kind of fun stuff. So we have to talk about those things. But I would imagine there's going to be an assumption by anything that goes on now, anything that you hear about ballots, voting, because we're in that time, you know. The, 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 the crazy path that we go through once every cuatro años that we have to start talking about politics. And things just get stranger and stranger and stranger as we go. And I look at it and I go, okay, we can have these conversations, but also at the same time, too, as we have these conversations, do we realize some of the things that we post online and talk about and write about and all that kind of fun stuff? Because of the belief system that we have, depending on what side of the aisle you stand on. Just vote. Don't care what side you stand on. Just vote. Anyways, that's just my point of view today. You are listening to a Radio God. What? This has to be an error. That host is not a Radio God. Anyways, this is the Rated R Safety Show on Safety FM. Okay, so let's get into it real crazy here. Two hunters in Florida have set a new record after capturing a huge python. Ryan Osborne and Kevin Balvillis captured a massive Python, are you ready for this? Weighing 104 pounds and measuring over 18 feet, 9 inches. The snake is one inch longer than the previous record holder in Florida, according to the Science Times. The two men were working alongside the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission as python removal agents when they stumbled upon the enormous creature. So there you go. That is a giant-ass python. 18 feet, 9 inches, and 140 pounds. I know people that are smaller than that. And I'm talking about the weight, not the not the length. That's for sure. Listen to our host of the Rated R Safety Show. Self-implode on our airwaves only on Safety FM. Okay, a woman from California is still missing a week after going on a hike in Zion National Park. Holly Susan Courtier, 38, was last seen on October the 6th on a shuttle into the park in Utah. According to her daughter, Kaylee Chambers, park rangers in Washington County Sheriff's Office are investigating the whereabouts, which is difficult as her travel plans were unknown. Holly's daughter has officially said that her mom had been traveling the country after losing her job as a nanny during the pandemic. She added that Courtier is an expected hiker, an experienced hiker, and an expected hiker. I don't know what the hell she's expecting. um, As familiar with Zion, the National Park Services currently has more than 20 cold cases involving missing people. That is not encouraging as I hear that. I will tell you, somebody says, hey, we can go here. There's about 20 people missing. I don't know if I'm going to want to jump into that. 
That's my gig. What do you think? What do you think? Not that I should go missing. Not that, that's not the question. What I'm asking you is, what do you think? Would you go hiking in an area where there are missing people like that? And if she's an experienced hiker, I who have no idea what the hell's going on with most hiking stuff, I think that, that would be kind of difficult. This is just my opinion, of course. Anyways, let's continue. A teenager's in critical condition from Oklahoma injured after a goalpost toppled over onto their head. Janessa Thompson was standing beneath a 500-pound structure as her teammates climbed in onto it to get a photo. When it fell over, she had to be airlifted to a local hospital where she was admitted into ICU. Her grandmother told the local news at the station that while Janessa will remain in ICU for several more days, her condition has improved and she does not have any bleeding in her brain, which is quite crucial. Let's talk about that. But you see, this goes back on to a lot of the things that we talk about that I tell you. There is just no way to plan for certain events. And I look at it and I talk about it and I go, hey, this is what happens. That's what happens. And I, I'm very familiar with traumatic brain injuries. I will tell you that, um, especially having one that was involved in my household. So that's kind of always a, a subject of conversation that's kind of near and dear to my heart when it does come about. Anyways, I don't know, feeling a little different vibe here today. So let's kind of do something out of the ord, out of the ordinary. What I'm going to do is I am going to give you a picture cover about our event that's coming up here in the next few days, next week. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to drop into, let's play a song. I think I just want to play a song for a moment. So let's do that.
Yeah, that's anywhere with you. So there you go. That's what we had to just jump into because that's what I opted to do. Anyways, because I already have it up on the screen, might as well just go ahead and talk about it for a hot minute. Um, so this event real quick that we have coming up, just want to share it with you. And I'm going to cut my head off, as you can tell, as I pull that up. This is what we're calling Bridging the Financial Divide. There are some classes that we do offer here at Safety FM. A lot of our hosts, consultants, whatever the hell you want to call them, do some different shows here. Now, this is a show that we are a show. This is an event that we are offering to some people, if they're interested in doing so, that you come in, hang out, take the Hop 101 class, but it is a pay-for-what-you-can-afford event, opposed to it being limited just to a particular price point. So, we have it set up as low as zero and as high as to whatever you want to pay to be able to attend to the class. So, if you're interested in attending, it is Wednesday of next week. We're doing a little bit later in the day, um, just to be able to help out some of the other time zones. So, that will start at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. And we'll run roughly to about 2 o'clock. So, what am I telling you as I say this? So, we have a class. 10 to 2, Hop 101 for people that are learning about human and organizational performance, not about hop like beer. And so the other thing that I am saying without saying it, but now I am saying it, there will be no show on Wednesday of next week, which is the 21st. So just in case, if you're not catching it, that's what I'm laying down there. No show, rated R safety show on Tuesday of next week. So just the FYI on that one. Anyways, let's continue down and talk about some other things that are going on. Hold on, because we got some craziness going on in the box. Let's see. Fauci said um, Americans should consider canceling Thanksgiving if COVID cases soar. Uh, Let's see. Studies offer new evidence of possible link between blood types and COVID-19. Blood type O have the lowest risk of infection. Individuals with A and A and B. Okay. And then breaking news stuff for you. Breaking news stuff for me. Who told you about typo negative? No, I'm kidding. Um, So there you go. A lot of interesting stuff coming into the box from the consultant himself. You know, that pro guy. By the way, I'm going to let the Iggy out of the box because he decided to tell me before before I started today. Sheldon Primus, because we're going to put the pressure on him, has just been accepted (laughs) for LinkedIn Live. So expect his show to start streaming consistently on there. Oh, did I just say that out loud? I think I did. Oh, too late now. Can't take it back. Oh, the dump button already exceeded the eight seconds. Sorry about that. So there you go. You'll start seeing his show readily available on LinkedIn and, of course, all the other media sources that are tied into Safety FM as well if you're interested in taking a look on what's going on there. Love that guy to death, by the way. Don't tell him because, you know, might get to his head. Anyways, let's continue. Markets continue their downward trend on Wednesday. As the Dow slid down about 165 points and the Nasdaq dipped about 95 points and the S&P 500 traded about 23 points lower. Bank and financial stocks suffered losses as Bank of America sank 4%. Wells Fargo tumbled about 5% and both reported disappointing quarterly results. United Health Group um, tanked about 2.7% after it announced that it was unable to quantify the impact from the virus. So a lot of interesting stuff there for sure, as you know that we are talking about. So there you go. A lot of, lot of changes, a lot of stuff there. So I don't know, do you hang out in the stock market and do all kinds of fun stuff there? Or do you look at it and go, no way, no way, Jose, we don't talk about this here. We just talk about some other things. I don't know, something to think about as we do go in and about around it. Anyway, so let's continue. 
Oh, and let's talk about some of that stuff. And yeah, I don't want to talk about it yet. Screw it. We're not going to talk about the swamp. Let's talk about the main story. Here is our main story on the Rated R Safety Show. So surprise, surprise, got some news to share with you right away. So wanted to share this with you. Some major surprises occurred yesterday. Breaking news. Nobody saw this coming. Nobody expected it. And here we go. It's not, it's not focusing. Dexter is coming back to Showtime. Yeah, Dexter starting Michael C. Hall, a Showtime. Oh, no, that's not really what I wanted to tell you. <laughs> but that was some breaking news. I was pretty excited yesterday when, when um, Showtime did release that. Now, I will show you the wording that they, ch- that they chose to use. And it does say surprise something that I'm probably not supposed to say on LinkedIn. But there you go. Um, But yeah, Dexter, Michael C. Hall is coming back with their original showrunner. They're doing a 10-episode show or season as a special Dexter return. Um, I'm just hoping for some Hannah McKay coming back, if I'm being honest here. So there you go. There's some some stuff there, just in case you didn't know that. But realistically, what I wanted to talk about today, and we'll call it a surprise, and we'll just talk about it as very general, but it's very limited time that you're going to have to worry about how it's going to come about. Yesterday, I was contacted by a few people after the episode that aired, and I was able to drop into a podcast recording um, about some of the stuff that we were talking about and some of the things that we were talking during the main story yesterday in particular of being able to assist others. So yesterday afternoon, I had the privilege of being on a, a podcast with Dr. Todd Conklin, with Brent Sutton, and Bob Edwards. And we were having a discussion about that. And Todd was gracious enough to let us use his platform to have the conversation. So on Saturday, the pre-accident investigation show, podcast, whatever you want to call it, will air the episode that we recorded yesterday. And I think that it's going to bring in some some interesting information that I would love for you to take a listen to. So here's what we're going to do. On Saturday, we'll have that on the pre-accident investigation. The Practice of Learning teams will release a video of that podcast and... I am going to take that same content, and on my Tuesday show, I'm going to release it as well, because I want them to have as many opportunities to be able to share it across different platforms. And don't get me wrong, I know that some of the people that listen to Todd don't listen to Brent, or don't listen to me, or we have some, you know, some people that tie across, but there are some people that listen there that don't listen here and so on. And nothing, I mean, nothing but love with the people that are on the station. And don't get me wrong. I love some people that are not on the station as well, too. Um, just so reference purposes. But I think that it's an important message that I would like to share with you. So if you do not normally listen to the pre-accident investigation, which I wouldn't understand why you don't, but you should. But if you don't listen to it, look for the pre-accident investigation with host Todd Conklin coming out on Saturday. I think there's a good good plethora. Yeah, I'm going to use that word because I like it, um, of of information that we discuss during that. And I don't want to give it all away, but you're you're smart. 
I know you're smart. So you're going to know what we're probably going to talk about before we even get there. And I think that it's going to be interesting and challenging for some. And I'm going to tell you this. If you listen to some of the other shows here on the station, on Safety FM, will be some challenging chimes for some of the other hosts. I'm going to put it to you that way. So just in case you've been given fair warning, Saturday's right around the corner. And so then we'll kind of go from there. So hopefully that's not vague too much. And I'm not making you wait an eternity to get there because Todd drops his show at high noon on Saturday. So there you go. That will be readily available at that time. Take a listen to the pre-accident investigation on Saturday. The other thing that I will tell you, If you are interested in some of the stuff that Brett Sutton is doing, you can come to my website, safetyfm.com, which is kind of our, our hub of stuff that we hang out in, and go under learning teams or the practice of learning teams, and you can go automatically to his website. He has a pretty interesting community that he has built out for people to interact with each other. And I think that if you start going there, a lot of it will make a lot more sense as we do go forward. So a lot of interesting stuff there as we do talk about it. And now let's get you into the garbage section, the portion that I call the swamp. Here is the news on the Rating R Safety Show. Okay, so let's talk about it. I'm going to give you very, very specific headers as we go through it. A bombshell New York Post reportedly clearly shows Joe Biden lied about having anything to do with his son's business dealing with the Ukraine. In April 2019, computer repair shop in Delaware received a laptop hard drive believed to belong to Hunter Biden. On its way to an email indicating that in April 2015, Hunter arranged a meeting between Ukraine energy company executive and Joe Biden his father, and then vice president of the United States. Just months after the email was sent, Joe Biden publicly admitted that pressing the Ukraine government to ease up on investigations into the very same energy company, which was also paying Hunter Biden to an exorbitant amount of annual salary for unexpected consulting fees. In May of 2014, that same Ukrainian Energy executive emailed Hunter asking to use his influence to convey a message and signal, et cetera, to stop what we were considering to be a political motivated action against the company. The computer was seized by the FBI last December, but the computer repair clerk gave copies of the data to the lawyer for Rudy Giuliani um, before handing over the assets over. Also on the computer, video of Hunter Biden taking hard drugs and getting his freak on and smattering weird shirtless selfies. So there you go. I don't know. I don't know. Um, This is according, of course, to the New York Post on something that they're breaking. And then let's see. Facebook and Twitter publicly announced that they were limiting the reach of this New York Post story and its platforms. Um, it says that Vox reports that Facebook said that reducing distribution of the story on Twitter is blocking users from posting the story entirely. Trying to share the link creates the link message says tweet not sent. Your tweet couldn't be sent because the link is identified by Twitter um, or our partner of being potentially harmful. So there you go. I don't know. A lot of weird stuff going on. And, you know. It kind of gets into that strange conversation. So, yeah, we're talking here about something that the New York Post put out. So, yeah, there is a reference there. But when you start getting into the information where people go, well, 
free speech and why are they blocking us from saying X, 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 X? Well, it becomes kind of strange. And why do I say this? I say this from the standpoint of, okay, this is where it's going to get weird for some people because you're on their platform. And I'm not justifying it. I'm just telling you how it works. If you're on their platform and they don't want to spread X, that is their choice because it is their platform. And I know it sucks. I'm not saying it's right, but it's theirs. Now, if this was open to the free world and they could have, you know, you could do whatever the hell you wanted, blah, 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 and they didn't have a TOS and all that stuff that you already agreed to, now that becomes a different story. Because if this was like free to the world to use, then it becomes different. And then what do you limit and not limit? Or should you limit anything at all? And I know some people are not going to like me saying that. And that's cool because that's what's in my head. And that's what I wanted to talk about. So that's what's going on. And that's what's happening. But what do you think? Because it's not, is it freedom of speech? Is that what people are going to turn to and say? What do you think about it? And I know that this is potentially a controversial subject. But you agree to use their platform. Their platform is free because they are learning about you, which you decided to give them data on. And let me be extremely clear here. I talked about Twitter. I talked about Facebook. I'm on both systems. I broadcast on both systems. I don't want this to come across as I am defending them because that's not the case. I'm just telling you, I agreed to certain terms of conditions when I signed up as a average Joe user to be on their systems. And there were certain guidelines that I agreed that I would follow based on what they wanted to do. And I'll tell you, like most people, probably didn't read the bulk of the stuff. And through the years, things have changed on how they work with their system. What I tell people is that if you don't like how a system's managed and you don't like what they're doing and they're limiting your speech, get off of it. Get off of it. It's not like it's public domain. So if you don't like their system, get off of it. Start your own. Innovation, I love it. But that's really the key here. I don't like what somebody's doing. If I'm watching a show, if I'm listening to a show, if I'm watching a podcast, a vodcast, whatever the hell you want to call it, and I don't like what they're doing, boom, I'm out. I might revisit maybe the next thing I like. But those are your choices. You don't have to be on them. Some people hate Facebook. Some people hate Twitter. And then you have the other side where people love them. Like, I'm on some different systems that are, I might not like their parent company. If I'm just being realistic. I'm on LinkedIn, but I do not love Microsoft. Oh, and just in case you didn't know, Microsoft does own LinkedIn. But it is what it is. I know that they have some good stuff there. I'm just not a huge fan of their operating system, even though I have to use it on one of the computers we have here. But that's my choice. So you have options to go other places as you take a look at it. So here we go. Senators will vote next week to subpoena Twitter CEO on censorship of Hunter Biden's story. So there you go. Just reported by The Hill. This is according to our friend, the safety consultant. And yes, let me kind of be realistic because we've talked about this too in the past. 
I thought you said you you vet all your stories. I vet them. If somebody gives me something like this, you're going to see it in the box if you're hanging out. So is it better if I ignore it or if I verbalize it? I think it's just better if I verbalize it because if I ignore it, it's going to be a problem. If not, we're going to get the ergo guy back talking about some other shit. So there you go. That's my thoughts. Oops. What did he just say? We at Safety FM don't always agree with the viewpoints of our hosts and guests. Now back to real safety talk on Safety FM. Anyways, let's continue down the path here. It will be Spider-Man 3. Literally, Toby McGuire and Andrew Garfield will both be joining the Tom Holland in Spider-Man 3. A Sony source has confirmed that the two actors have signed on to reprise their respective Spider-Man roles next to Tom Holland's. Garfield played the web crawler in The Amazing Spider-Man back in 2012 and 2014. Maguire starred in Spider-Man trilogy between 2002 and 2007. Reportedly, the new movie, Maguire and Garfield, will appeal in Holland's universe to help defeat Spider-Man's combined enemies so there you go some interesting stuff there with some spider-man because we definitely needed to get out of the swamp because i was kind of getting down and dirty with some of that stuff so let's talk about get her done so here we go most people would say the most productive in the morning but don't be sure of that a study by the ESA Institute of Labor Economics came to the conclusion despite the popular belief many people are most of the most productive point in the workday about 1.30 in the afternoon. Well, I guess we're close. Um, that's right. Just after lunch, exactly when most of us were at least productive. Some, expect, some experts believe that it may be accurate for younger members of the workforce and because older employees tend to go to bed early and get up earlier. Their peak hours are slightly earlier than the lunchtime, but generally not as early that as may be guessed. 1.30 is the most productive time. Obviously, this is when people don't have YouTube. <laughs> My most productive time is whether I don't um, have to be at another meeting that I could just have been an email. Because, you know, you get a lot of that stuff. And then, of course, last but not least, are you like me, most productive when you realize 15 minutes until quitting time and you spent the last two hours organizing the bottom of your desk? Think about that for a hot minute. We are now video streaming the Rated R Safety Show. I don't know why our host has a face for radio. Rated R Safety Show. More sarcasm than a Mortal Kombat beatdown. Rated R Safety Show. Okay, a Canadian company is working to limit the pandemic strain in healthcare systems by turning old shipping containers into portable operating rooms and intensive care units. Faro International Hamil in Hamilton. Ontario customizes containers into a variety of uses for clients, but as COVID-19 cases surge, the company has been there, has their innovation, innovation to help the front line's needs. Inside each unit, companies build fully functional hospital rooms that can be used in operations or ICUs, while the goal of increasing a number of patients can be treated to help the cancellation of other hospitalizations procedures. There you go. Um, the company worked also in the University Health Network in Toronto to ensure that the units are up to doctor standards and their air emitted from the units is filtered to prevent infecting others. Now, the big question is how much to park outside? Because, you know, somebody's going to ask that. And then. Are you sure you want to pay for freight? 
That's going to be the other questions that come about that stuff. But a lot of interesting things there. How would you feel about being in a container if you're supposed to be going into the hospital, if that was the only choice? I mean, I know there were some places that were building, like, tent cities and building out some stuff in fields. But, I mean, I guess if the limitations are limited, you just have to do whatever you can. What do you think there? A lot of interesting stuff. Anyways, researchers say that they have all discovered the real reason why mosquitoes crave our blood so much. Because it tastes like cotton. It like tastes like candy to them. The study published by the Journal of Neuron this week found that people say that salty and sweet may be like salted caramel to mosquitoes, which is able to detect the combination of at least four different substances in the blood. Similar to the way that you're able to, to differentiate between salty, sweet, bitter, Sour and unfamiliar flavors. That's that's interesting. Um, while both humans and mosquitoes can sense salty sweet, lead researcher LV also said that to the new said that in the New York Rockefeller Center. There you go. So there's some interesting stuff there. Um, bah, 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 bah. Points that the whole experience is. Definitely different for a mosquito. She compares the insects, blood-seeking skills, the ability to honeybees to see ultraviolet and bats to hear ultrasonic sounds. Scientists hope that understanding mosquitoes' taste buds will help them create medications to stop them from biting people as transmitted, disease, as transmitted diseasing, diseases increase. I've thought I must taste like candy to them. Yeah, I thought that for sure. And then did the—so what the hell is going on with ticks? What are they thinking? And then the other portion is, I guess you are what you eat, if you really think about it in that fashion. Oops. What did he just say? We at Safety FM don't always agree with the viewpoints of our hosts and guests. Now back to real safety talk on Safety FM. Yeah, Christian, just to answer your question. Yeah. For life, just in case. That's exactly what it is. Thanks for pointing that out. Anyways, let's continue. I normally do funny tweets on today, but I don't know. They're getting so rough as of late that I'm just not in love with them. So instead of just telling you, here's they are, I'm just going to pass. I'm just going to pass on them today. Anyways, let's talk about did you know. Did you know men with low voices are more likely to cheat, according to a study. Chinese research conducted experiments where they examined whether certain voice-related characteristics were linked to cheating intentions they determined that men with more masculine voices were more likely to engage in bad behavior like cheating and less committed to a romantic relationship compared to other men on the other side of the coin it was found while women find lower voices more attractive the (laughs) the perspective that means that their partners could cheat on them which can limit the men with deeper voices to short-term relationships well holy holy hell there that's something to think about um, let, um, let's, let, let's try that real quick. What's going on? So I just, I think that I have just um, put myself in a weird category. We now need to do another interview about safety and wrestling. Uh, let me kind of tell you this, um, Christian, just so you are aware, I am in the capital of wrestling, just in case, um, the WWE has their performance center here where they bring up all their their new talent that's coming up and about. So there you go. That actually happens here in this little glorious town that I'm actually in. Anyways, let me kind of jump up because I know that if I start going too long, this is going to take too long for us to continue on. 
So let's kind of jump around real quick, and I am going to go into the days of the year that you can celebrate today if you're interested in doing so, because there's a long list of them. So here we go. I Love Lucy Day, Breast Health Day, Conflict Resolution Day, Get to Know Your Customer Day, International Day of Rural Women, Global Hand Washing Day, Internal Cra- International Credit Union Day, International Shake It Out Day, National Cheese Curd Day, My Mom is a Student Day, National Chicken Cacciatore Day, National Latino AIDS Awareness Day, National Get Smart About Credit Day, National Grouch Day, National Mushroom Day, National Roast Pheasants Day, wow, National Pregnancy and Infancy Loss Awareness Day, National Pug Day, National White Cane Safety Day, White Cane Safety Day, Sewing Day, and Spirit Day. Well, that's a lot of days, that's for sure. Anyways, back on this date in 2007. Drew Carey replaces Bob Barker on The Price is Right. Barker was 83 and had hosted the show for 35 years. The Price is Right remains the longest-running daytime game show So there you go. That's some information for you real quick. So let's talk real quick about my important friend that we haven't talked about during the whole episode. So let's get into that. I'm a trial lawyer. I'm not part of your family, and I don't do skits with my mom. I'm a real lawyer, a damn good lawyer, the best lawyer this state has to offer. And I've built a reputation for standing up for the people of this country, righting the wrongs. You may not agree with all of my views, but when it comes to trying cases, there's only one view, justice. And justice is what I get. Figer Law. That's why we're unstoppable. Oops. What did he just say? We at Safety FM don't always agree with the viewpoints of our hosts and guests. Now back to real safety talk on Safety FM. Okay, so let me tell you about my friends at the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. If you're actually going through any kind of struggles or depression or contemplating suicide, there are some people that can talk to you to see exactly what's going on. If you're interested in having a conversation with them, you can call 1-800-273-TALK. That is 1-800-273-TALK or one 800 273-8255. If you're not interested in actually having a vocal voice conversation, you cannot text the phone number. So let me just make sure that I'm clear on that. What you would need to do is you would need to go to their website at suicidepreventionlifeline.org and go into the chat box and shoot over a message from there. So that's some options that are available for you if you're interested in doing so, just for information purposes, just so you can have that number. Also, the other organization we like to talk about every time that we're on the air well, let me rephrase that. That we talk about a lot, but I should do it every time that we're on the air, is missingkids.org. If you've ever wondered what happens after an Amber Alert, that's what you need to find out. Go to missingkids.org. It talks about exploited and trafficked kids and gives you information of kids that are missing nationally and in your area. So if you're interested in finding out more about that, go to missingkids.org for more information. If I, as I get to the end of the show, let me kind of give you some stuff real quick. Um, just some things real quick that we would need to mention. Um, if I'm going to give it to you from the very top, if you need a phone starter for today, start off with this one. The moment you answer the phone says, what historical event is most interesting to you? If you need a bad joke for the day, here you go. The man who invented knock-knock jokes should get Nobel Prize. N-O-B-E-L-L, just in case. Um, If you need something for the water cooler, here you go. One in four pet owners admit that they should have done this. What is it? 
tasted their pet's food. That's what they talk about. Anyways, if you want to know about some birthdays for today, here you go. Malo Trevejo, pop singer, 18 today. Anthony Joshua, boxer, turns 31. Paul Logan turns 47. Uh, Dominic West, movie actor, Tomb Raider, turns 51. If I can leave you with a thought for today, think about this. The secret to having it all is knowing you already do. Think about that. It'll get you far. Anyways, thank you for listening to the Rated R Safety Show. I know who you are. You know who I am. Love you. Mean it. Bye. Duh. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.